You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. This month, we are concluding this topic uh, of wisdom of the elders. How many of you have been here for the last couple of weeks and heard some of our elders? Yes, we've had the elders of New Life Church come and speak to us. And so today, we have the privilege of hearing from Garvin McCarroll. And Garvin, if you want to make your way up here, I'll introduce you. Um, Garvin is, is a guy who is on staff. He's one of our pastors. He's, he's one of our executive pastors, kind of uh, over the executive team with uh, Brady Boyd. And Garvin, if you don't know him, you're about to uh, hear a little bit about his heart today and who he is. Garvin rides a Harley. Anybody a Harley rider? Woohoo! And so he gets on his leathers and wears, Har- wears Harley stuff. <laughs> I- I've never ridden a Harley, so I don't know exactly what to say there. But um, Garvin has been an elder at New Life for five years. And before that, he was an elder at Trinity in Amarillo, Texas for 22 years. So if you add it up, Garvin has been an elder for 27 years. Woo! And so some of you in here aren't even 27 years old. So Garvin is kind of an elder to the elders. He's kind of this mentor figure around New Life Church. And so it's, it's just an honor and a privilege to hear from Garvin. He has these proverbs that he makes up. And so they're called Garverbs because he, his first name is Garvin. And we call him the Garv sometimes. So these are all just cool things to introduce. Garvin McCarroll, please put your hands together and welcome Garvin McCarroll. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Well, it's good to see you this morning. Well, I understand the elders have been coming, and uh, you've had three of us, so I hope that you've enjoyed that. Uh, I could get up this morning and talk a little bit about church government and all that, and all you would leave or go to sleep, so I'm not going to do that. I want to, the title of my message today, or just my talk would be a better thing, would be Wisdom from the Rearview Mirror, uh, Things I've Learned on My Journey. I'm going to talk about nine things today, and I think they'll really help you. The, you know, many times when you're going through something with the Lord, He doesn't explain it, what He's doing, until you get through. And that's been the story of my life, that uh, I trust His Word, I trust Him, and all of a sudden when I look in my rearview mirror, I look at that and go, wow, that's what He was doing. And so, one of my favorite scriptures is Psalms 84, 5, and it says this, How blessed is the man whose strength is the Lord, whose heart is set on the journey. And my journey has been a little bit longer than yours. You're, some of you are on mile marker 20. I'm on a mile marker about 405. I've got a little bit ahead, ahead of you there. And so what I want to do this morning is just share some things that I really, I think, will help you. Because I, I would have liked to have heard these things a long time ago. Uh, and I think they'll help you today. But before I do that, as I look out here, I know everybody has a story. And I wish I had time. I just walked around the table and met a school teacher and some people that are military family and things. And so everybody has a story. And sometimes we get rushed and we don't know each other's story. So I want to tell just a little bit of my story this morning so you can know who I am and who's this guy, where did he come from, and you know, how can I relate to him. And I'm not going to start back till I was born naked and blind and all that stuff. I'm just going to start. Uh, I was raised in a, in a good home. I had godly parents. I did. I was raised in a religious home. Uh, when I say that, I'll tell why in just a minute. We were void of Holy Spirit. Uh, every time the church was open, we were there. Uh, I got saved at a young age, and I really don't know. I, I knew the Lord, but I didn't know Him. And so there was something yearning in me for more spiritual things instead of religious things. And I look back now, and the Lord just taught me this this week, that uh, in high, junior high and high school, I was really involved in the occult. 
uh, Ouija boards, tarot cards, seances, all these kind of things like that. That uh, We weren't after the devil. We weren't after the enemy, a Satanist or anything like that. We were after a thrill because the church I was going to, there was no adventure. There was no life. There was no, it was just going through the motions. And so my life dramatically changed, and I'll pick it up there. I played sports in high school. I played college football. And uh, it was my junior year. I got my knee hurt, and I thought my life was over. And I was looking for something. I really was. And it, I call it pre-meal days. This was in Canyon, Texas at West Texas State University. We had a college. There was a college ministry there that I wasn't involved in. I heard about it. And it's like, it was like the meal. And so I remember that when I went that I walked in the door and this is, this is what I encountered. I didn't know what they had, but they had something that I wanted. And I remember saying that. I remember going around asking people. It's like, what's up with you guys? What, what do you have? They said, well, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? And I said, no, in my denomination, you got kicked out or you never talked about that or had bad teaching. So I don't know what your background is, but that was mine. And so I remember, I started asking questions because they had something that I wanted. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that at New Life Church. We, we teach that. We pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think that's essential for anybody to have a powerful walk with God. They need the Holy Spirit to do that. that that's what was lacking in my life. That's why I was dabbling in things and Ouija boards and all that kind of stuff. Well, it was uh, my junior year, and I went on a retreat right over here at Buena Vista. Is that how? Am I saying that correct from a Texan? Buena Vista, is that correct? Okay. I've been corrected on a lot of things, but uh, that place over here, about 92 miles. And so I went on a retreat at Deer Valley. I don't know if it's still there, but uh, we went. And I remember two, two guys that began to explain to me the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, I want that. And so the first night we went through it, they explained that to me, went through scripturally. That's why it's good to have good doctrine. Scripture's full of that, but encouraging us to have good doctrine. And I remember I prayed that first night, nothing happened. You know, I got all scrunched up like, you know, this guy sounded like he was talking German and this guy sounded like Swahili. I didn't know what he was doing. But I I said in my heart, I'm not going to repeat something that's not an experience for me. And so uh, we prayed, nothing happened that night. And I I don't know how it was for you, but I remember it's like, I'm not good enough. I don't, you know, I don't deserve that. I, I don't know. But I came back for a second night. And we prayed that, and I had a, an infilling of the Holy Spirit that was glorious. It really was. It wasn't emotional for me, but I had an insatiable desire to read the Word of God, and that's never changed in all these years. And so that's where my life, around 21 years old, began to change about your age. That's when my life took a dramatic, dramatic turn. And I really began to know the Lord and of Him and was so thankful for that. I graduated from college. Let's fast forward this. I went and managed a youth camp in New Mexico for two years. Uh, I got to live my dream. I'll talk about adventure a little bit later. I lived in a log cabin for about a year and a half, grew my beard down to here, trapped, hunted, did all those things. I got to know me. I did. It, it was great. I was the Jeremiah Johnson of Colorado, or New Mexico. But it was a great time, and I hope, I hope that you've had that time adventure. And so uh, at this youth camp, uh, I met Kim, my wife. Uh, she was uh, at the university that I was going to, and we met. She came to the camp, and that's where we began struck up a relationship. And Kim, why don't you stand up? This is my wife of 34 years. Uh, she is, she's something else. When she puts on her Harley things and we get on that bike, she's pretty hot. She really is. So <laughs> she is. So, uh, so we met, uh, at this camp. We, she was there a year. I knew she was the one I wanted to marry. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And, uh, so we got married, came back to Amarillo, Texas. We thought God had called us to camp management, which he did not. He shut those doors. And so we heard of this upstart church called Trinity Fellowship. And so that's where we started going. Twenty, we're about 23 years old when we uh, started going. And so we went and uh, engaged there, and uh, looked up 30 years later, and, and the Lord's moving us to uh, Colorado Springs here. 
I never thought I'd be doing that, but he did. So within that's my journey I want to talk a little bit about today. We have three children. Uh, we've got twin boys that we didn't know they were twins until they got here, so that was a shock. Uh, they were premature, so be sure to have a sonogram if you're pregnant out there. You need to, need to know if you have one or more. Uh, so we've got twin boys that are policemen in Amarillo. Also, our daughter Courtney, that's um, her dad. She goes here and she absolutely loves it. This has changed her life in a lot of ways. She's done incredible things. And so we've got four grandkids. I'm known as G-Paul. I want something a little snap. Not That's Mimi back there, so that's who we are. And uh, so I was at Trinity Fellowship Church in Amarillo for 30 years. And uh, God transitioned us uh, about six years ago to come here. Never thought I'd be leaving, and that's part of the journey. One of the most exciting things that you'll ever do is follow the Lord. If you're bored, if nothing's going on, it's like, I, I want to encourage you. God has something great for you. He, he really does. And it should be an exciting walk with the Holy Spirit. So that's a little bit about me. I came here, New Life. Uh, we were here, you know, less than 30 days. I've known Brady Boyd uh, 18, nearly 20 years. Met him. I'll hopefully I have time to tell that story, how we met. But uh, we came here, was here 45 days and had the shooting. So I thought, Lord, Lord, what did I get myself into? I didn't read the fine print. But from that, God has, you know, beauty out of ashes. It's been great. I don't want to go on that. I love Colorado Springs. We've loved the mountains. We've wanted to move to the mountains for uh, 30 years. And so here we are. So we're glad to be here today. So I hope some things that I have to say today will encourage you wherever you're at. Uh, uh, if you got, I encourage you, if you're a disciple, take notes. Because the older I get, if I don't write it down, I forget it. It's really good, but I forgot it. You know, I, that's, that's the way I am. So encourage you to take notes. Here's what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll take what I say and multiply it. If it's the Word of God, it's alive, active. It will change. It will do things. So take, take notes. A disciple takes notes. Well, I want to talk about nine things this morning. I'm not going to talk long about each one of these. But I want to talk about nine things that, uh, of wisdom in my rearview mirror. Here's some things that I've, I've learned. I think they'll help. The first one is about your words. Number one is your words, your mouth. Uh, you build your reputation. Uh, with your words, you do. Your, uh, and hopefully our mouth and our actions line up. If they don't, we need to really l- watch that because people are watching what we do. Here's something I want to tell you about your words. Proverbs 3.24 says this, do not withhold good when it's within your hand to do that. You know, and here's what I'm saying, is when you come around people like on here this morning, you know, don't withhold good from somebody. Well, what is that? A compliment, an encouragement? Let me tell you what, that'll go further than you've ever thought. The Word of God really promises that, that when it's in your hand, compliments and encouragement go a long way, so you can build a lot. Well, here's a garbage for you, truth. The shortest distance between two people is the truth, and I've learned that over the years. It's like instead of, you know, not saying something or should I say something, you know, the, the truth. And let me say this, truth can be handled like a sword or a scalpel. You can cut people up with the truth. You can, or you can handle it carefully, and God wants us to handle it carefully, but he expects us to be truthful. Matthew 5.37, let your yes be yes, your no be no, for beyond this comes from the evil one. Yeah, and sometimes, I know in the college age and 20s and that, you play games and things about in dating and stuff, but be truthful. That's what I want to say. Number one, you build your reputation, your world with words. The Lord created the world with his words. And so you create your reputation and your, your world with your words. So be careful with our words. Here's something I would tell you. Don't talk about people. Talk to them. You know, sometimes church people are notorious for that. Well, I have a prayer request I want to talk. And it's just gossip, it's all that is. It's just gossiping about somebody. And so here's what I would say. Don't talk about people. If there's something that concerns you about someone, go talk to them. Don't go through the third person. And we're all notorious for that. But I'm looking back now in my rearview mirror and saying, you know, now, 
Instead of talking about someone at New Life or if there's a problem, I go talk to them. Not mean-spirited, but I go talk to them and not about them. So that's the first one about our words. The second is about our morals. Our morals. You know, our morals determine determine our character, and you choose your morals. I, I was a moral guy growing up. Uh, that was instilled in me, but I still lack some things in my character. So every day, it's the little decisions that you make that really uh, affect your character and your reputation. Make up your mind and your standard now so you won't have to later. And I know some of this, uh, well, I'll just say this this morning, that you're going to be faced with uh, pressures in a lot of ways. And by the way, Peer pressure is not an adolescent or a young phenomenon. It, it's through the rest of your life. I'm 50-something years old. I know I don't look at it with this thin athletic body. But I am, it's like, it never goes away. It never goes away. Peer pressure doesn't. So don't think, well, I'll grow out of that. You don't in that. So your morals, Proverbs 8, 1 through 3 says this, Wisdom cries at the beginning of the street. And I call it the power of pre-made decisions. Make up your mind now what you're going to do when you know compromising situations are going to come, and they will come. Make up your mind now so that when that comes, you say, I've already made a decision. It's the power of pre-made decisions in that. So make up your mind now. I would, uh, how do you make good decisions? How do you avoid compromise? Well, here's something that I learned. The Holy Spirit is like a compass that's put in your heart. No matter where you turn, he's going to point you to Christ. Did you know that? So wherever you're at, and you're, you're wondering, what do I do? You listen to the Holy Spirit. And let me say this. He's never shouted at me. He's never pulled my ear. He's never done any of that stuff. It's that still, small voice in here that says, don't do that. And it will not get any louder than that. So if you're in a situation and you don't feel good about it, that's the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many people I've talked to. I didn't say this. Years ago, I was a youth pastor. And I don't know how many young people I would talk to that were in compromising situations, getting in a car that they knew they shouldn't have, and I said, what, what did the Holy Spirit say? And they said, not to do that. I said, that's as strong as it's going to get. And they learned some horrible lessons from that. So your character is the little choices that we make every day. Let me say this. The greatest test of your character will not be failure. It's not hard to be humble when you're failing. Did you know that? The greatest test of character will be success. I've watched this many, many years. Look at Solomon's life. That He had everything. The wisest, second wisest man that ever walked the planet, 700 wives. I got his wisdom on that. But in the end, it's like this success is really his downfall. He got cynical when you read Ecclesiastes and, you know, those because uh, success was his downfall. I had a, a youth leader years and years ago that when we started in, uh, in youth ministry, that he was the most humble guy that I've ever met. He, he submitted everything. He talked through things. He was a, a good young man. He really was. And then he uh, graduated from school and he started his own business. And then... From that time on, he began to make big six-figure money. And I watched the change in him because he had money. And he began to get arrogant. He was not teachable. Uh, he just began to say, I don't, I don't need this stuff. So fast forward five years ago, that's, that's, that's changed now. And he's an humble man. But that's what starts out. You know, so many people, they win the lottery and it destroys them because they can't handle success. So I just say that today, that many of you in here, I hope God blesses you with the ability to make money and a lot of it because the kingdom needs that. But can your character handle that money? If, he, if, if you can be trusted with the small things and you start small, he can trust you with more. So I want to encourage you that, you know, today think about that. Can I handle success? What will that do to me? Will I change? Because I've seen people change in sports. I've seen them change in the business world because of success. And in ministry too. I, I've watched people change that the numbers grow, they get a little cocky and, well, I, I'm something. No, you're not. We're all just sinners and saved by grace. 
The third thing is your money. I want to talk to you today about wisdom for your money. God expects us to be good stewards of our money. If we handle the small things, he will bless us with more. You know, Malachi, I always want to say Malachi. Malachi 3.10. You've probably read that. I'm sure Dr. Joe has talked about that. It talks about this, test me in giving to see if I want to rebuke the devourer. Well, Kim and I have lived that for over 34 years, and I want to say this. I want to encourage you, everybody in here, you cannot give the Lord. And start now beginning to tithe and give and see what he does. I want to tell you the difference between your wants and your needs. Your, your needs will always, been met, will always be met with the Lord. He will. He will, be, he will be faithful to his word. Now, your wants, it's like, I want a lot of things. Yeah, you know, I, I do. I got a want list, I do. But my needs over all these years, and I look back uh, with Kim and I that uh, raising three kids and put them in private school. Uh, we were always at our former church in a, some kind of building program. We were expanding there. And not only did we tithe, but we gave above and beyond that. And I look back now, once again, in my rearview mirror, and I look at that and I go, how in the world did we do that? You know, how did we remodel that? How do we buy two cars at a time for twins? How do we, you know, buy Courtney all her clothes? Now, she's a good steward. Tell her I said that. But I look back now, and I think he's faithful in that. But if you, if you give, see what God does. And uh, you don't give to get back. You give because it's a command from him. So be wise stewards of your money. And let me say this. If you buy things from impulse, that's, a, that's the worst way to buy it. If you just got to have it and you go out there like that, uh, that's the worst way to buy things. It really is. Let me say this. Things that are paid for drive better. Did you know that? A car that is paid for drives a lot better than one that you're paying on it. It may not have that new car smell, but it drives better. Number four, wisdom in the rearview mirror is this, is your, your mate or your spouse. What about your future spouse? I'll look in here and a lot of you are married and some of you aren't. But this is something that uh, I want you to think about. Take your time. God gives you a choice on who you marry. I, I was asked this question a lot. Do you think God has one special person for you? And if you don't meet that person, you miss God's will. I, I've never believed that. I believe we serve a God of choice. He gives you a choice. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. And for all of you out there, it's like this. You know, when you make a decision about someone that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, make a good one. You know, it's like this. If you want to marry someone with blonde hair and blue eyes or whatever like that, that's your choice in that. God gives the boundaries to choose a, a spouse and that, a believer. And so I want to encourage you in that. You don't get hung up in, well, man, if I just miss God, I, I'm going to live the rest of my life with the wrong person in that. God gives you a choice. Pray through it and think about that. And here's the question I would ask you. Is that the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with? You know, here's something that I did, and I can say to this day, when I married Kim, she was the one I knew. I prayed about it. God gave me a peace. I knew that, but he gave me a choice. I happened to like redheads. I did. And uh, he gave me a piece about it. When we got married, I never looked back. And here's sometimes the pitfall for a lot of young couples. Well, I married the wrong person. Uh, I should have thought about this over. Let me say this. I know Tim Keeney, he just got married on that. When you get married, it's like this. You never look back. That's the one you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And that just disarms the enemy because now he can't accuse you of anything. It's like this. That's the one the rest of my life. And 34 years later, I want to say this. God's word really does work in marriage. And when he says that you can experience the good things, you can. That doesn't mean that you're not going to go through some learning things when you first get married. I had a mouth when we first got married, and the Lord had to temper that because I saw it hurt Kim. And and so we we learned a lot through that at my expense. Let me say that, that God wants you to experience the good things in your marriage. And you can have that. You, You really can. And so 34 years later, we still have fun. We laugh at life. We talk one hour an evening when we come in. And those are some things I could go off on that a little bit more, but I'm not. So... 
Is this the one you want to spend the rest of your life with? Well, make a wise choice and don't look back when you do that. And I heard Joe talk a while ago about you're going on a backpack trip that uh, next week. I believe this because this is something Kim and I did. I had a backpack business a long time ago, God service. And we used to take people on backpack. We took a couple's backpack one time. We took about seven couples with us. And I tell you, I saw, I learned a lot about people on a backpack. Because about the third day, you know, your legs are hairy, girls, your breast stinks, guys, your hair looks like you combed it with a brick. You know, it's all things happening in that. And you don't see each other that way when you're dating. But on a backpack, it squunches it into about a, a couple of days. And then I think it should be a prerequisite. Before you get married, you need to go in with your future spouse, a week-long backpack in separate tents. Okay? And that. So you get to know each other. Well, number five here, God's will. What about God's will for your life? And I've heard this question over the years many, many, many times, especially from seniors in high school all the way through college. So I, I just want God's will for my life. Well, let me encourage everybody in here. God's will is not hard. Yeah, it's really not. It's really not. I've watched people struggle with this. I just act like it's so narrow. If they miss that, then the rest of their life is ruined. It's not. If you know God's word, you're going to know his will. Please write that down. If you know his word, you're going to know his will. Uh, you really will. He gives you a choice in what you do. You know, if you have a desire, I was talking to somebody a while ago about being a school teacher. It's like, I think that's God's will for you. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desire of your heart. Many times if we think that's what I want to do, we feel guilty because God wants to send me to, you know, some crummy country that I hate and to be a missionary the rest of my life. That's not God, folks. That is not God at all. So what is your desire? What would you like to do? Well, I'd, I'd say start pursuing that because it says that. That's in uh, Psalms 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desire of your heart. Well, what is delighting yourself in the Lord? It's serving him. It's loving him. It's being around his people. That's delighting yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you that desire. So whatever you set your heart to do, well, go for it. Don't try to struggle through that. Well, what's God? Is that really God in that? You know, you set a plan. It says this, Proverbs 16, 3. Man makes his plans. God directs his steps. I think God works through a plan. If you begin to plan, he will direct your step. I, I'm living proof of that. If he wants you in Alaska tomorrow morning, guess what? He can get you there overnight, quicker than FedEx or anybody else. He can and sometimes we worry in that. He is in control. You don't have to worry about that. He is, when we stand before the Lord and we're at giving account of what we did, he's not going to ask you, you chose the wrong vocation. What's more important than your vocation is what did you do at your vocation? And I know I'm talking about the teacher. I think this, that if you're a teacher, you have so much influence where you're at. And I know in today's climate, you have to be careful what you say, how you say that. But wherever you go, whatever vocation you choose, make a difference. That's the thing the Lord wants to know. How did you live for me at that vocation? Not you missed the vocation I had you called. And it's a whole separate thing about if you feel called to ministry, well, God, God will get you there. If he called you to work for him, guess what? He's capable to get you there. I've seen so many people struggle and try to make it happen. You can make it happen or you can let him. That's been my background in ministry. I've never had to work to make it happen. You know, if God calls me, it was six years later, he called, and six years later, it came into fulfillment. That six years was my seminary, and he taught me a sundry of different things. I can look back at that. And so if he calls you, he's going to get you there. You don't have to worry about that. But whatever vocation you have or whatever you choose, uh, I think that's fine with the Lord. You go for it. Don't make it hard. Let me use this. How do I know God's will uh, if I'm married? Well, I can give you God's will if you're married. Love your wife, love your child, work hard, be involved in a body, serve, give. That's God's will for your life. And sometimes we make it so hard. It's like, ah, I'm just going to miss something. I want to take that off you today. You don't have to worry about that. 
God will get you there. I'm looking in my rearview mirror, folks, and I'm just saying this, that God will get you there. I never thought I'd be in Colorado Springs at this stage of my life, and here I am. It's because he's the one that's in control. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding, and he will direct your path. That's for sure. Well, let's talk about number six. Is about people. Uh, here's some things I've learned about people. Proverbs 18.24, this is key. It says this, He who has many friends must first show himself friendly. That's powerful. I don't know how many times I hear about New Life and other churches that are one of the church. I've had two churches in 36 years, New Life and Trinity. So many people come, well, this is not friendly. It's like, well, are you friendly? You know, what about in here? It's like, I come here and nobody speaks to me. Well, do you speak to anybody? That's what Proverbs said there. This is the key. He that has many friends must first show himself friendly. Are you friendly? Or do you walk around and give off that air? Don't touch. Nobody's going to come around me. It's a choice. You know, that's a character choice. You can be friendly or you cannot. Well, I'm not outgoing. I understand all that. But anybody can be friendly in that. Everybody has a story. Sometimes I love to hear people's story. Go up and ask them their story. Hey, uh, where, where are you from? How long have you been here? Just begin to ask questions about them and see what happens in that. Be careful who you trust. Not everyone uh, can be trusted. I've had to learn that lesson. Proverbs twenty-five nineteen says this, like a bad tooth or a lame leg is a reliance on an unfaithful in the times of trouble. You know, Ken, do I believe in everybody? Yes, I try to. Do I trust everybody? No, I don't. There's a circle of people that I trust. And I know in here, it's like I, ho- I hope you have a circle of friends that you can trust with, with things about your life and they're not going to expose that. And when you get those people, they're treasures for life. They really are. It takes a long time to become old friends. Treasure and invest in those friendships that you have. I went back, uh, Kim and I did, uh, about four weeks ago, I went back for my 40th high school reunion. And I don't know how many of you go to your reunions, but this is, this, I get to do a eulogy at every one of mine, the 10-year, 20, and this one. And so I got to do this. But those are, those, I remember this standing there because we had 39 balloons that, uh, that we had in kind of a ceremony that we let go for 39 of our classmates that are no longer with us. And uh, I remember that uh, I looked out there and I saw Holly McMullen, and I remembered that uh, she was the first girl at six years old that I sat by. And here, 40 years later, with Facebook, the universal phone book, that I'm still in touch with her, and it is. But th- those are treasures in that. So the friends that you have in here, treasure those. But the key is, are you friendly first? Uh, another good verse about uh, friendships and people is that Proverbs 19.22 and this is for all of us men. It says, what's desirable about a man is his kindness. Did you know, men, that kindness is attractive to a woman? It's attractive to people. It is. Are you kind or do you walk around? I know I ride a Harley and there's a Harley mystique in that. Yeah, I'm not into that. I'm into, it's like what's, kind, what's desirable about a man is his kindness. Be kind and see what God does. Well, that is uh, number six. Number seven is grace. Too good to be true. Uh, being in a denominational background, uh, when I hit my 20s in this, I really struggled with grace. I thought if you messed up, God was there just to smack you. And I carried a lot of guilt for a long time. And let me say this, that when you understand grace, it's, it's incredible. He does not wake up mad. He does not remind you of your past. He forgives. And he moves on. This is what Proverbs 24, 16 says. A righteous man falls seven times, but he rises. Well, how does he get up? It's because of God's grace. You know the difference between a sheep and a hog? If a sheep falls into a mud puddle, it'll get up. A hog likes to lay there and wallow in it. That's why we're called the sheep of his pasture, not hogs. I ride a hog. 
Let me say this, that here's what, uh, here's the way the voice of the Lord speaks. That when I've messed up, and I know I have, I'm quick, I try to be quick to repent. That's a sign of maturity, is that when you mess up, the Holy Spirit, the compass in your heart will tell you that we've messed up. And when you repent, guess what? It is over that quick. And then beyond that, that's where the enemy comes in and says, you think he's really forgiven you? I don't think he has. That's the voice of the enemy. There's three voices that you'll contend with all your life. That's demonic, divine, and human. And I, I wish I had time. To, maybe I can come back and teach on that sometime. Three voices that you hear that have access to your mind. Those are the Lord. Those are your own thoughts. And then those are the enemy that he comes in. Never have I been praying, have I heard this. That uh, I'll say, Lord, I'll be talking to the Lord. I've never heard him say, hey, stop, Garvin. Uh, let me remind you. Remember a year ago? Remember what you did? Just want to let you know I hadn't forgot. Have a good day. He doesn't talk that way. Now, we think that way. We understand that way. But the Lord does not. And I want to encourage you, and I feel like some in here are struggling with something that you've messed up and you think it's almost irreparable. And you struggle, you've struggled for a long time that I just can't get past this. Well, let me say today, I feel like this is a word for somebody here. The Lord's forgiven you and you need to forgive yourself and go on. He does not hold that to your account. That's over. It's in your past. And I unload that and let it go. Somebody received that, I hope so, in that. Grace, too good to be true. Number eight is living without regret. I wrote in a quote that I'd read years ago, and it's this, the saddest words ever spoken or penned are, I wish it would have been. And many of you, all of you in here today, you're at that age where you can, uh, you've got opportunities to do things. And I want to encourage you to do that. Here's how you live your life without regret. Don't look back and say, you know, I wish I'd have went on that mission trip. I wish that I would have done that. Those are the, the things that haunt people, is I wish I would have. And in here, some are thinking about a mission trip or you want to do some adventure, you go for it. I did that, and that's why I'm looking back and saying, I'm so glad I did it. At the cost of being ridiculed, I graduated from college with a degree in coaching. That's what I thought I wanted to do. And when I did, got out, I thought, I don't want to coach. And I thought, what am I going to do? Well, it opened up for this youth camp, and I moved up to this youth camp. And that's where I got to know me for two years, a year and a half, that I know what solitude is with the Lord. I know what to hear His voices. That's where I, I cultivated that. And that was an adventure. On my days off, I had an old scout jeep. And what I used to do is get a map and find uh, logging roads and go till it ran out. And it was adventure. It was one of the funnest things I ever had. And the reason I say that is because it was on my adventure two years up near Taos, New Mexico, that the Lord spoke to me and gave me my life scripture. And this is really, this is my life story, the way he's worked in my life. And he may do that to you, he may not. But I remember it, uh, I, I came in and I was really seeking the Lord about a couple of things. One, I was 22 years old and asked the Lord who I was going to marry. And I kind of knew it was her, but I was kind of going through that. And I remember asking him, Lord, I'd like to know uh, about my future. I really would. What, what do you have for me? And I, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I know some people say they have. I have not. But I heard, I heard this in my spirit. He says, okay, ask. I said, Lord, what, what do you have for me? And he will speak to you in a language that you will understand. My background is in sports and backpacking and outdoors, and he speaks to me in that language that I can understand. Yours may be totally different, but he will speak to you in a language that you can understand and use analogies that you can understand. And so as, as I was asking that, Lord, here's what he, he I saw this in my spirit. I, I'll never forget that, that uh, I saw a trail in which I'd backpack a lot, and this scripture came to mind. This is Psalms 119, 105. Your word, Lord, is a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. And here's what he showed me exactly what that word. In biblical times, they had foot lamps that hung on strings. And they gave you a radius of about three feet. That's all that you could see. And so I saw a trail 
which I was familiar with. And then I saw this, this lamp, and all I could see was three-foot radius, and the rest of it was pitch black. That's all I saw. And it was like, it stopped. I thought, is there more? That's all he showed me. And I thought, you know, Lord, I'd like, I'd like to see more. I really would. And so he said, I heard this in my spirit. Okay. And it was like, that's way I can describe it. It was like stadium lights came on. And I remember it's like everything was illuminated. And I could see the trail, and then I followed this trail. And I watched it, and it got up to what looked like was the edge of the Grand Canyon. And all of a sudden, I was like, wow. And I was focusing on that. Then it went pitch black again. And I thought, really? You know, God, what are you, what are you saying? And here's what he said. He said, Garvin, I've showed you what I want you to do. And now, he said, when you get to the edge of that canyon, after you walk with me where I show you, I'll either have a bridge built or another way around. That's not for you to worry. And let me say this. That's been the story of my life. He's never showed me five miles down the road. He always illuminates my path, and he shows me what I'm going to do. Just like coming here. He never showed me if there would be a shooting. You know, he knew that, though. But he, he's a lamp into my feet, a light on my path. So live, have adventure. You know, if you get a chance to go backpacking. If you get a chance to scale a 14er or go to a foreign country, do not look back and say, I wish I would have done that. Because it may be on those journeys or those adventures that God speaks to you very clearly about your future, what you're going to do in struggling, and, and uh, I think he'll speak to you. Last thing is divine appointments. And I, I firmly believe in divine appointments. And here's what I would encourage you, is that when I come to New Life, and I've done this for, for many, many years at my other church and here too, is that I pray this prayer. Lord, today, there's someone that needs me to encourage them or someone that needs me to go talk to them. And you show me who that is, and I'll do that. And so I, I like to walk around. I call it scratch and sniff. I like to walk around and see, see people, you know. And when I walk around, it's like, and here's as strong as it gets. I don't see an ikus on somebody's forehead or a glow or, or something like that. I look out there, and I see somebody sitting. It's like, I'm to go talk to that person. That's as strong as it gets. And I'll go over there and talk to that person. And guess what? I don't know how many people it's happened that I go over there and they're a first-time new lifer. Nobody has spoken to me. I'm new. You know, I'm going through this. And it's just like that happens every Sunday. So I want to encourage you, just that simple prayer, Lord, today, if there's someone that needs me, you know, lead me to them for a divine appointment. And you may have heard Pastor Brady say this story, tell this story, but this is how we met. It was in Amarillo, Texas, uh, nearly 20 years ago that uh, I was doing that very thing. I was walking around, shaking howdy, greeting people, getting their story. I look up and I see this tall, red-headed young man and a beautiful girl with blonde hair. And they look out of place. And it's as strong as they got. I knew they, something about them. And so I walked over to him. I stuck up my hand and I said, uh, my name's Garvin McCarroll. And he said, well, I'm Brady Boyd. He said, someone invited us to church and didn't show up. And I'm kind of burnt on big church. I don't like big church. So here we are. I said, I'll tell you what, I want you to come and sit with me and Kim. And so he did. He came and sat with Kim and I. And I began to meet with him after that. I saw a call of God on his life. He, obviously, when he speaks, you know that there's something there. And I heard his story, that he was beat up, come from Louisiana and all these things like that. And I'm telling you that story because you just never know who you're going to meet. I'm not saying I'm the one or anything like that, but I'm saying that he began to make people now that maybe he would have never came to New Life Church if it wasn't because of those divine connections. So you never know how God's going to use you until we get to heaven to say, I used you to connect that person with my kingdom purpose, and here's what I'm doing. So I want to encourage you to do that, is to pray and ask God to, uh, to give you divine appointments. So this morning, I've got gray hair. We call it chrome. These are things that I've learned as I look in my rearview mirror that God has taught me, and I'm always learning, and I hope some of these will help you about your words, your morals, your money, your mate, God's will, people, grace, living without regret, and divine appointments. I'm going to turn it back to Joe in just a minute, but is there any question? Anybody have a comment, question that you'd like to ask while I'm here?
Okay. Well, we're going to hang around a little bit if you do. We'll be here a little bit. So, Dr. Joe, thank you for letting me be yeah, here let's, today. Let's thank Garvin for coming. Thank you. Okay. Wisdom from the rearview mirror. That's good, Garvin. We thank you for coming. Well, everybody, um, I think that's all I got for you. We're ending a little early, so stick around, meet somebody, have some conversations at your table, go back and and meet Garvin. He's going to be here for a little while, but uh, you're officially dismissed. We'll start next month's topic on systematic theology. We'll see you then. God bless. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Mill Sunday School podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org.